Blind Cafe Radio presents In the Ring with Lightning Blind Mike. Making his way down to the ring is your host, Lightning Blind Mike, who is in the ring this week with...
Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of In the Ring with Lightning Blind Mike. Tonight, I have a special guest and friend that I've known for many, many years. And just like any other Tuesday, we're going to find out everything we can about him. He goes by the name Matt Wild in the wrestling world. Uh, good evening, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on the show, Mike. Oh, you're very welcome. We usually start things off uh, just to learn a little bit about you, as in your real name, when were you born, and where. And the big question is, have you been married, and how long have you been married, and how many times have you been married? And the last <laughs> one is, how many children do you have? Oh, good lord, that's 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 too many questions at once. Um, all right, let's see, let's see if I can pull that off. Uh, I was born in 1977 at the Philadelphia Naval Hospital. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't a gimmick. I'm actually from Philadelphia. My real name is Christopher Stolly. Actually, my birth name was Christopher Schneider, but I'm sure we can get into that later. Married. I've only been married once, officially. However, uh, that marriage lasted 18 months. I'm now happily divorced with three kids. But you do have a girlfriend right now, correct? Yes, I have a fiancé. I mean, we call ourselves oh, husband fiance. and wife, but we're not We're not taking the plunge yet. And, you know, truth be told, she'll probably hit me for this. Not in a rush. <laughs> I've done it once. Why wreck a good thing? Well, you never know. She might not be in a rush also. So just like any other wrestler, you said 18 months you were married. Out of all the other wrestlers that I've talked about and we've learned information on them, they've basically had the same record as you. It, it's sad. I think I, I think I held the inner regional title for, for your old federation longer than my marriage. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that's just crazy. But uh, so you have been uh, married only one time, three children. We'll get into that later because at the, usually at the end of the show, I'll ask the, the name of the children. We'll get into your personal life big time there. Usually I go into a couple songs here. But we're going to go straight into our next segment, and I want to change things up just a little bit. So this is my favorite part of the show, and it's always been my favorite part of the show. Tell us how many names have you gone through before you stuck with one name as in uh, for as for your career? Oh, wow. Well, actually, there's a there's a uh, if, if I add in the days that I was doing the things that, you know, the WWE always tells you not to do at home. Um, <laughs> I guess, uh, I started off my, my wrestling career dream, at least backyarding under the name, uh, the rock and roll rebel named after the Ozzy Osbourne song, not the rock and rebel and was part of a tag team at the time called, uh, the perfect Southern rebels TPSR, which, uh, that'll, that'll come into play later when I broke into the business. And was starting to train my trainers who were very impressed with my, uh, with, with my affinity for mat wrestling, uh, chain work and, and stuff like that, uh, said that, uh, I was a very good mat wrestler. In fact, I reminded them of Chris Jericho and they decided that the name should be Matt Jericho. Chris Jericho's little cousin. I hated it. <laughs> I hate. I could see why. I like. I had. I had no disrespect to Chris Jericho. I love Chris Jericho. He is actually one of the people that inspire me. But I mean, 
I didn't want to be a Mark gimmick, you know. I I wanted I wanted something that stood on its own and, and was original. So when it came close to time for graduation, I was literally listening to an Ozzy Osbourne record and looking at the uh, the 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 CD inserts for those kids. CDs were like small little vinyl records that that you know, not like the digital downloads today. You could actually get a full album. And while I was listening to the album, I was reading like the band the band. Uh, credits you know all the members of the band and uh i was reading them out loud for some stupid i'm probably drunk and i was reading you know like ozzy osbourne and uh uh rob trujillo and you know the like and i got the zach wilde's name and i said matt wilde by accident and it, it i just stopped i'm like wait a minute and i pitched it to gwa they approved of it and that's the name I stuck with for 20 years, mainly. I mean, uh, wow. the moniker changed so much. When I first broke in, it was the extreme Matt Wild, uh, playing off of the whole ECW mentality. Uh, then I just broke off extreme and was Matt Wild, especially during the YGW days, the Youth Gone Wild days. Uh, then a certain promoter who will remain nameless in Colorado bet me he could turn me face <laughs> and uh, tagged me with the uh, moniker the East Coast Kid. And upon retirement, I started becoming the independent icon. So really the monikers changed, but the name always remained the same. The name remains the same. So real quick, because I got a couple more questions, but uh, who were you trained by? Oh, God. <laughs> How long is this program? Who, who was your original trainers that brought you into the business? Well, again, that's a hard one because technically uh, the trainers that I had were the Pitbulls, uh, ECW fame, Gary Gary Wolf and Anthony Sorelli. Uh, but before they took over the school, when I first, first started trying out, I was actually trained by Alexi Tech Teroff, uh, the human highlight, Billy Real, uh, Midnight, and uh, Ron Starr. Uh, who were GWA alums. You know, I think I've actually heard that name before, Ron Starr, unless you've mentioned him in our conversations in the past. Sounds very familiar. Well, if it, if, if it uh, reminds you of a conversation of saying one time when I got a black eye because uh, my friend hits kind of stiff, yeah, that would be Ron Starr. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember that conversation, but we'll definitely, I'm going to write a note down on that one and we'll have to get back to that. Uh, when did you break into the business? What year? 1997. Wow. That's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel old. All right. So, and where did you hail from? Did you always hail from uh, Philly? Uh, well, when I was working in Philly, I, I hailed from Northeast Philly, especially because uh, being the heel, the bad guy. Uh, at the time, Northeast Philly was kind of the suburbs of Philadelphia, the upper middle class section. So I kind of played off the whole uh, privileged uh, character uh, while while being a heel. But yeah, everywhere else, it's always been for Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Very nice. And we will be right back on Blind Cafe Radio and in the ring with Lightning Blind Mike, and we'll learn some more about Matt Wilde. Cause it's been 
Welcome back to Blind Cafe Radio. You're listening to In the Ring with Lightning Blind Mike and Matt Wild. We just learned a little bit about him, but we're going to dig into his personal life right now. And Matt, let's start off with uh, where did you go to high school at and did you go to college? Did you have girlfriends back then? Uh, give us the story. All right. Well, uh, I am unfortunately a graduate of Northeast High School out of Northeast Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> it's uh, not a fun school. Um, I didn't go to college, but I did go to a trade school. I was uh, I went to Orleans Technical Institute for Building Maintenance, uh, general contracting, basically. And that was right after the military. In fact, while I was training for wrestling, I was doing the night shift at the uh, at the Orleans Tech to uh, to become a maintenance mechanic. So kind of became both at the same time. <laughs> and girlfriends. A lot of wrestlers have uh, gone to the military first before they became wrestlers. Did you actually uh, think about becoming a wrestler after the military or during the military time. actually i'd never thought of becoming a wrestler um i my dream was always to be a musician uh, i kind of accidentally fell into wrestling <laughs> uh the story goes uh my my backyarding days with my buddies was just something we did we get drunk and we did what you weren't supposed to do try at home and uh, a couple friends of mine got this idea in their head that they heard about a wrestling convention coming to town uh, a whole bunch of promoters and stuff independent federations and all and they got this wild idea of let's make a demo video of us backyarding and hand it out and my friend with a bribe of a case of beer talked me into doing a match against him and i figured what the hell nobody's nobody's ever i'm never going to meet any of these people so they i could be good for a laugh or a night for them because they're never going to contact us yeah Literally, and that's actually true form for a wrestler because uh, uh, give them alcohol, they'll wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> so they went to the convention with the tape, and two weeks later, I wound up getting a letter in the mail from the Grand Wrestling Alliance saying, after viewing the tape, we come to the three following conclusions. One, you have raw talent that uh, we could mold into something useful here at the Federation. Two, you have a personality that would fit within current storylines. And number three, you're nuts. And I got invited <laughs> to train. <laughs> 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 all right so uh but that was actually in the letter just to let you know <laughs> what, that was literally in the letter that was those words were word for word in the letter. i still have wow. that letter <laughs> <laughs> now that's cool i like that let's go back real fast because uh i don't want to quite get into the wrestling uh scene yet let's go back to uh when you were thinking about going into music uh how did that get started Oh man, that, that, um, when growing up, I was, I was raised in a family that, uh, listened to a lot of the old time music, you know, um, the big bands like Glenn Miller and, and, uh, my mother was a huge fifties and sixties fan. So I was cutting my teeth on people from Elvis Presley to the Everly brothers to the doors, Pink Floyd, like all the sixties, seventies and fifties, sixties and seventies bands. And it just, uh, really placated my love for music that I started learning to play guitar, piano, you know, stuff like that. Uh, pretty much self-taught, uh, for the most part. And, uh, it wasn't until I, I honestly could say I was in the fourth grade and my parents got cable and I was introduced to MTV. And I, I vividly remember the day I got MTV, the, they debuted the, uh, video for Bon Jovi's Born to Be My Baby. And 
that was it. I said, that's what I want to do. Of course, I never played that style of music. I played harder because <laughs> I got introduced to hard rock and heavy metal. But I mean, I just, just seeing the fun on the stage and, 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 you know, the crowd and I said, that's what I want to do. And that, that became like a focus point. I still do it. I still dream about music and I'm 43 years old and nobody wants to see my butt on stage. <laughs> Well, so here's do you here's another question then for you. Do you feel disappointed going into professional wrestling and not following your music career or you have you been happy with the wrestling career that you've had? That's that's a that's a rough one to answer because I I, I don't think I ever felt disappointed in my wrestling career um because of the fact that one it was it, it it was natural. Uh, one of the reasons that I pursued it after the, the tryout was because it, it felt second nature to me to, to do this, you know? Um, and I really was able to incorporate the, the love that I have for music to the love that I have for, for pro wrestling. I loved being in front of a crowd. I loved being able to entertain them, whether I was the bad guy ticking them off or the good guy making their kids want to shake my hand. I, I, I loved the crowd interaction. I loved being out there and performing and, and making people's days better, even if it was only for 10 minutes, you know? So, and I get, I can understand that completely. Uh, I, I felt the same way being in front of a crowd. And even if it was five minutes, 10 minutes, as long as uh, we did our job and entertain the audience, then I felt really good that I did something good that night. Uh, real quick for you though, because uh, I know I'm going to be asked this question, and everybody wants to know how tall you are and how much did you weigh uh, when you wrestled. <laughs> I am legitimately six foot tall, or five eleven, depending on which seven uh, eleven I'm leaving. Um, and weight, well. When I first broke into the business, I was a whopping 127 pounds. Uh, by the time I left the business, I got to about 189. I've always been a cruiserweight. Wow. That's a big jump, though. That's over 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's a big jump. All right. So we're going to learn a little bit more about Matt Wild when we come back and find out about the East Coast connection and some more uh, independent wrestling uh, places where he's been uh, right after these messages. So you're listening to In the Ring with Lightning Blind Mike.
Let Blind Cafe Radio, the station that raises Kane, rock your world.
You're listening to In the Ring with Lightning Blind Mike right here on Blind Cafe Radio, and we're talking about Matt Wild. Matt, we're going to jump right into your wrestling career, and let's start off with the East Coast Connection. How did that come about? I had originally started as a uh, tag team wrestler in a tag team known as Youth Gone Wild, which was myself and high school buddy who broke into business with me, uh, Mike Thorne, who goes right now by Amadeus Thorne. And uh, we were part of that tag team, which kind of grew into a faction. We started getting like-minded people into that up until the time I came to Colorado. Uh, when I came to Colorado, I, I came as a singles wrestler and uh, was trying to build my own name. And I really didn't know how to do that. And one of the things that I noticed in Colorado, a lot of the federations out there were very, very old school mentality. They had the mentality of the AWAs and the uh, NWAs, just the, 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 the pure form of professional wrestling. And I come from a world and I was marketing myself as coming from a world that's famous for, you know, ECW, the hardcore, the extreme, the, at the time, the new age style of wrestling. And where kayfabe didn't exist. Yeah, where kayfabe didn't exist, but the the violence was a little less cartoony. Um, <laughs> and hmm. and so, I don't know if I should be insulted with that one or not. Oh no, no, no! Trust me, I have nothing but love and respect for the old school. Um, I again, it was just trying to find my place in it. And so, well, before go ahead. So when I created the East Coast Connection, I wanted to find a uh, make a faction where it seemed like a hostile takeover of the new style of wrestling uh in the old school in the old school world of, of Colorado. So I looked for like-minded wrestlers who 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 would fit the 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 personalities and created the East Coast Connection and I mean it was mildly successful, but I had more successful things go on both before and after the East Coast Connection. Now, before we go to Colorado, as in when you moved out there, because I know you spent, what, about 15 years out there before you came back to Philly? 10. Was that about right? 10. 10 years. 10 years. So before we go to Colorado, uh, just one more question. You said Youth Gun Wild, that was a tag team, and East Coast Connection. What did that consist of? Like, Was that like a faction of five, six people, or how did that work? Uh, it fluctuated. Um, <laughs> there, at one point, the uh, East Coast Connection faction had, oh, good Lord, there was uh, me, Flex Furious, uh, Ground Zero, Serenity, uh, Prodigy, Mangler, Angel. We had about like seven people. <laughs> uh, so... Did you guys mix tag team a lot or did you guys, or did you have a permanent partner for in the ring though? I mostly worked on my own. I, I kind of had the Hawk Hogan syndrome in the East Coast connection. I was the one who stood on my own. I had to have the spotlight. So, but again, that was during my heel day. So I was less, less uh, inclined to share the spotlight, you know, as, as than what I was as a, as a face. Now moving to Colorado. Your very first match in Colorado with Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling was uh, a uh, in Colorado Springs, and tell us about that. I mean, how did you feel about it? Did you feel comfortable? Uh, were you nervous still, even though all the years you've been wrestling? Uh, what's the scoop on that? Well, I had one match prior in Colorado before I, I discovered RMCW. I worked for uh, AWA, uh, Dan, Dan Casadas' AWA. Uh, I did a match at the Gothic Theater, and I wrestled a guy named Prodigy. 
you might remember him. Um, yes. <laughs> and, uh, that, that lasted one match. I'm not going to talk bad on, on Dakisada, but I, I didn't want to work with the Federation again after what he did. And, uh, Ironically, when I discovered Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling, came to the trainings and and earned a spot on the show, you guys gave me an opening match at Colorado Springs, which was perfect because I was living in Colorado Springs at the time. Uh, was actually the I was kind of nervous because it was the first ever match my mother had ever come to. So my mother was in the crowd <laughs> for the first time ever, and uh, you guys gave me Prodigy, so that was comfortable because I knew Prodigy. You know, I got to remember at the time I was maybe three years out of training, uh, mm-hmm. three and a half years out of training. So I was still, you know, very green behind the ears, uh, overall. So it, it was still a new experience to step outside my comfort zone to begin with, but at least I had a match with somebody that I knew. And um, now you said, you said that your that was your first time that your mom has ever seen you wrestle. What did she say about it? Uh, well, actually I can get the, the funniest story I could ever give you is, uh, the day that I was moving out to Colorado, I called her cause I knew that I would have to let her know what I was doing with my life because obviously I wasn't going to give it up. And, uh, <clears throat> the reason I state that is my mother was always against me getting into entertainment, at least, uh, music. She knew my love for music. And she was always one of those people, oh, all musicians get on drugs and, and die of an early age. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, if she hates musicians that much, what's she going to think about a wrestler? <laughs> yeah, with the, and, with the mythos that are around did, wrestlers. And what did she say when you told her? Well, I finally called her up and I said, Mom, I got to tell you something. For the last couple of years, I've been a professional wrestler. And it was, she was silent on the phone for a couple seconds. And her response was the most classic thing I ever heard. I always knew you'd get into some form of acting. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel insulted after that comment? <laughs> Actually, I felt a little relieved. Um, I, I, cause you I thought really thought get mad and yell at you. I did. I, I thought, I thought she was going to be, you know, accusing me of being on steroids. And, you know, once I got off the bus in Colorado Springs, she'd probably like, you know, have a urine test waiting for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. You know, you don't know my mother. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, that she, uh, she worried about me. She, she was, she was relieved when I retired. Uh, and 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 didn't severely hurt myself like i've had some injuries but nothing critical i'm not walking around like mick foley you know <laughs> so, oh no i don't think anybody can walk around like mick foley right now i, I don't think mick foley can walk around like mick foley <laughs> <laughs> uh so before we go off to the next segment just a couple more questions because we're going to continue on uh with uh, the same we're talking about now as in what you what you're doing with inside the ring uh you were in colorado for 10 years and quickly go ahead and tell us uh, how many different uh, uh i would say factions and tag teams that you were involved in before you became a singles wrestler before are we talking in colorado or are we talking just in, in general because i i can may, i can see a few of you wrestling in tag team quite a bit and then we had you become a single wrestler well actually 
out in RMCW as a singles wrestler. And I started out my Colorado career as a singles wrestler. Uh, but there was the East Coast Connection, which uh, I didn't really tag in, but it was a faction. Uh, then there was the short-lived uh, reiteration of Youth Gone Wild, which was Champagne, Tony Morales, and myself. Uh, that didn't last very long because it just – it. It wasn't what Youth Gone Wild originally was. It just didn't fit right. Uh, however, the most successful tag team I was a part of was a completely different gimmick. And that was when had I... Had nothing to do with Matt Wild whatsoever. Had nothing to do with Matt Wild whatsoever. I needed a break from Matt. Uh, a friend, a mutual friend of ours uh, had just gone through a life-altering thing, could not wrestle anymore, but wanted to still be involved with the business. And uh, Champagne Tony Morales and I decided to alter our gimmicks at the time, or put them away, and come up with two brand-new gothic-style gimmicks that later came to be known as The Fallen. And then there was the short-lived reiteration of the Forsaken, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> the the most memory, the best memory I could actually remember of that because I could see back then was uh, you decided you were going to put your makeup on for the night, and I know we've talked about this not too long ago. But the most uh, funniest memory that I have is you putting the number 13 on your forehead backwards. Yeah. Because <laughs> you were looking in the mirror and you thought, oh, I'm putting it on correctly. You go out there and everyone's like, what's 31? You know what? My whole entire career, I've been plagued by some little goofy little mistake. Like, uh, uh, not to spoil it, but in the clip you guys will probably see at the end of this show, if you look really closely in, the, in that match, I forgot to take my wristwatch off. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> and you know what? And I can't see to look back on it now. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. We're going to really dig into Matt's life when we come back after this next segment. And then we're going to close it out with a uh, what he's doing now, where he's at. All right. So we'll be right back in the ring with Lightning Blind Mike.
Welcome back to In the Ring with Lightning Blind Mike. Matt, I always, I've been introducing you the entire time, but we're just going to continue on immediately because I have a couple of questions uh, before we go into what you're doing now. Tell me, uh, or tell everybody, basically, you know, how many different federations you worked for. Did you use the same gimmick as in Youth Gone Wild, East Coast Connection? Did you use the same gimmick in all the federations or did you have to change up because of that federation? Um, God, there's too many to count. Um, I, I've wrestled all the way from New Jersey to Colorado, Wyoming down to Florida, you know, um, and, and points in between. I've worked for BBOW. I've worked for RMCW. I can say that RMCW is the federation I worked the longest with. I, I spent eight years with RMCW. Um, other ones, whether it was just like one, one match or, or one run, you know, it was neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the time, most of the time I was always Matt Wild. Like we were talking about in the last segment, the uh, 13th apostle who was a part of the fallen, uh, the apostle has made one appearance outside of, uh, RMCW. And that was, uh, here in, uh, in Philadelphia for a federation called Loco Pro Wrestling. Uh, I, I decided to bring him out one time for a match and, uh, people seem to dig him. <laughs> but, uh, I was always pretty much Matt Wild all the way through. Uh, Youth Gone Wild, except for that small stint, was always kind of exclusive to the East Coast. The East Coast Connection made an appearance in Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling and Mild High Pro. And that was it. <laughs> I vaguely remember uh, Mild High Pro. Uh, th now, there's a few things that stand out that uh, uh, of memories that I can actually uh, remember that you've done in the ring. Because, you know, some of the competition was, uh, I mean, way bigger than you. You had to come up with something uh, uh, equal to match your opponent. And there are two things that I've actually remembered. One, when you turned face and you started doing the crossbody off the top rope, which everybody, I mean, the entire crowd loved that. The other one that I remember that you were doing for a while there, and I don't remember how long you were doing it, but you used to light your forearm on fire and give the clothesline <laughs> off the top rope. I, I did that one time to secure my job in Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling, to be honest, because at the time that I did it uh, was the second Colorado Springs show, and it was only the second show I'd done for Rocky Mountain. And I had a bruised ankle bone at the time, so my match had to get switched to a tag team match because of it, just to have a tag team partner cover the fact that I couldn't really be in the ring as long as I, I was. And mm -hmm. you guys were only using me in the springs. And I was like, man, I really need to get, you know, more solid bookings. How can I make this guy, you know, the promoter, you? Notice me. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. So yes, I am. The, I was the promoter for Rocky Mountain Championship <laughs> Wrestling. But didn't you move to uh, Denver though to get more bookings? I did. I did. But uh, when I when I did the first time, I did the fly uh, the 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 clothesline on fire from the top rope was at that second Colorado Springs show, and it was literally to try to get you to say, "Okay, this guy's nuts. I got to keep him on shows." Little oh, did absolutely. I know it was so popular that a couple years later when we were working uh, the the shows in that uh, uh, God, I can't remember the name of the place, but it was uh, the, the 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 big barn out back of the uh, the uh, 
uh, trailer park area. The big barn out back of the shredder shredders shredders uh, complex oh yeah 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 yeah. out in that little field out in that little field uh you had talked me into bringing it back and i even created a whole arm sleeve that with the uh with the phrase oh that's hot written on the side of it to continue the flaming clothesline <laughs> tradition See, and it's just too bad you didn't continue on with that for year after year i think that would have been great, but one of the when you were going to do that at a Brighton High School, no, 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 not Brighton. We were in uh, oh Wyoming. <laughs> we, we were in Colorado Springs, but we weren't in Springs. We were off in that little mountain town. You remember that? And they, uh, and or was it there? I mean, we've wrestled so many places together. I just can't remember the exact place. But what I will say is that uh, they heard that you were going to light your arm on fire and all that. And they, you know, they had to call the fire department, this and that and everything else and get to find out what the rules were. And the fire department said, well, do they have insurance? Yes. Well, they're okay then. (laughs) I remember as as we had insurance for the building, we were okay to do whatever we wanted to do. I I remember uh, the the Wyoming high school uh, where I was finishing up the feud with Prodigy and we had a, a four corners of death match in a high school. That I turned around forgetting that this is supposed to be a family show and I wind up calling a whole 25 people a bunch of sheep efforts. Um, <laughs> I'm already on the school's bad side. And we like the, the finish of the, uh, the match was, uh, we had ground zero run in and, uh, help me take prodigy completely out by, uh, power bombing him through a table that's on fire while I come off the top rope with the flaming clothesline. So it was a bunch of fire. So we lit fire in a school after I already like, you know, dropped the F bomb in the school. Yeah, I remember you, you catching the, uh, a lot of flack for what you I did. Use the fire extinguisher to take it, to, to, yeah, to put it out, and everybody had a hard time breathing afterwards. Yeah, I, I remember you taking a <laughs> lot of flack after that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. There was one other uh, that Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling did, and we were trying to run shows out of our own wrestling school, which we ran one show one night. It was a very successful show, uh, but the fire department showed up. And said that, uh, oh, well, there's not enough exits and, and whatever other rules that they had for us that night that we didn't have. But the funniest thing I found is that they allowed you and everybody else to wrestle the entire show while they stood there and watched. Now, see, the, I, I have a subsection to that one because I remember that match. I remember that show. I remember that match very well because I remember I was wrestling a guy who was vision impaired at the time and uh it was the broadway match we we wound up going to a time limit draw um but i remember that match profusely because as a bad guy i would constantly pick on you and then that i admit dude you know how many times i felt so bad for some of the jokes i pulled <laughs> no, you on you didn't. oh i did no, i really didn't. really did like i would have conversations with like tony morales or whatever like at, you know years later and i'm just like dude i felt like such a jerk <laughs> but uh that particular match was uh, when I threw you outside of the ring and you jumped back up onto the apron. And for people that don't know, he did have some peripheral vision. He could see out of the corner of his eye like shadows. And so he turns his head to the left a little bit to look at me. And I give him the John Cena, you can't see me thing. I remember that. And he turns around and all I hear is. 
And from there, I knew, oh, I pushed it too far. And he proceeded to whoop my the living <laughs> Actually, hell out of me. Out there, I did, you said, all I hear is, and then it got silent. Oh, he all he did was, uh, you know, give a deep sigh. And I said, oh, I pushed it too far. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're talking about in the ring as in, you know, what we've done and all that. But let's talk about the funny things, the, the, the your, your uh, humor and, uh, one is funny. One is really humorous. Uh, let's go with the humorous one first, where you actually had a midget Matt Wild come out to the ring. Oh my God! Uh, to pick on to pick on uh, uh, Max Magus. Yeah, uh, I used one of our security because he, he was Night Vision's uh, manager at the time. He was Night Vision's, Vision's manager, and he was probably one of the most over heels in RMCW. Like people hated Max Magus, and. Uh, I was again typical character for 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 Matt Wilde is uh, he he covered his shortcomings with humor usually, and I turned around and decided I was going to get my own manager who had the caliber of Max Mages, and it was Mini Mac or Mini Mages, and what who it was was uh, our our ring crew slash security guard son that I had dressed up in one of Max Mages's uh, suits. <laughs> Coming out, was, just doing a complete he imitation. Bald also, yeah, he was like bald. That. He had just shaved his head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the most funniest thing I've ever seen. And the crowd popped; they loved it. <laughs> and 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 let's go back to where you said cartoonish uh, federations in Colorado because you weren't used to that. But look how that still popped in Colorado for the old school style. Well, again, I I don't have an issue with with the with the old school mentality. I was just looking for a way of standing out in that world. Uh but I mean, I was always for the uh larger than life characters. Remember how hard I pushed to find a big guy that was willing to play the baby Stewie character that I that I had uh brainstormed. Uh, which, which basically was like baby Huey, but a wrestler, uh, to, to break it down for your listeners. Um, I mean, one of my favorite, one of my favorite characters of all time in RMCW, two of them, two, two of my favorite characters was the poop buster and the Canadian love machine. <laughs> oh, Canadian bacon. I remember that we could sit here and talk about all gimmicks with him all day long, but, uh, the poop buster, he was just more of a mascot. He was a mascot, but it was hilarious. Yes. (laughs) Now, and and I'm kind of proud the fallen was responsible for that. (laughs) Oh, fall. The fallen was a great uh, tag team gimmick. And I don't know. Do you have any of those matches on YouTube? Because if so, I'd like to advertise YouTube right now and have them check out uh, the fallen. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, on the Realm of the Mist YouTube channel, uh, I've actually got folders of my old wrestling days marked as Wild's wrestling days. Uh, you just click on there, you find not only Matt Wild, but Fallen and all that. They're, they're all on there. Now, I have one more thing I want to bring up, but real quick, because uh, I want to end it with uh, my last comment, but... Uh, let's talk about your accomplishments, belts, championships. What have you held? What haven't you held? And so on. Uh, well, it, it, it's hard because uh, working for so many different federations, and I've been a champion for multiple federations and, and different things that I've, the easiest way I can describe it is I've held every title in every 
weight class or division, i.e. like I've been a six-man tag team champion, I've been a tag team champion, I've been a hardcore champion, I've been a light heavyweight slash cruiserweight champion, an interregional slash intercontinental slash U.S. champion. The only title that has eluded me my entire career was the heavyweight. That's the only one I never got. You know, I had a feeling you were going to bring that up because uh, we had that conversation in RMCW as in, uh, why can't I be the heavyweight champion? Well, because how much do you weigh, Matt? <laughs> yeah, but you and know what? My Vin- old school mentality there. Right. But you know what? Vince McMahon answered that for me because Rey Mysterio was heavyweight champion. <laughs> yes, but not for long, but he did it. Yes, he did hold it once. Um, so, and, and, and you know what? I, I could have regretted not doing that for the fact that we don't know where it would have taken you. And so I feel bad a little bit, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe I held you back a little bit from that. Uh, but that's, you know, the old school that came out of me since I was trained by Dennis and everything as well. All right. Well, let uh, me, let me, the- let me put your mind at ease a little bit here. Okay. Cause I know I was a handful to deal with those eight years. Sometimes I, I had an ego that needed to be put in check from time to time. I I'll be the first one to admit it, you know? No. Uh, yeah, I, I did. Uh, I'll be the first, I'll be the first one to admit it. There, there was a couple times I had to be smacked down back to earth and. Luckily, there was people like uh, Outlaw Randy Taylor or the late, great uh, Robert Abador to to do that for me. Um, but, uh, you know, you said you, you held me back a little bit in RMCW, and quite honestly, I needed it. If If I was allowed to go full steam the way I thought at the time that I should have gone, I would have burned out a lot faster. And probably burned a lot more bridges. You don't think he would have lasted in the wrestling a- business as long if you would have physically? Was it if, if you had free control? Physically, probably not. Like at the end of the day, at, at the end of the day, the biggest thing that was the most important to me, and it, even back then, it was the most important to me, was a solid story. I wanted to tell a story. I wanted something that would keep people coming back. You know what I mean? Uh, I didn't care if I was uh, the the main event or the mid card or the curtain jerker. I didn't care if I was the heavyweight champion or not the heavyweight champion. I just wanted my matches to matter. You know, and uh, now, can you explain what curtain jerker is so people would know? Uh, it, it in the old school mentality, curtain jerker is uh, a place of honor. Uh, what it means is that you start off the show. You are the first match of the night and uh you're setting the make it or break it match right you're setting the tone for the rest of the show um so i don't want it to sound like i'm i'm dissing that spot i'm not it's absolutely a place of honor however a lot of fans the smart marks obviously understand it but the normal average wrestling fan they look at that as that's the place for people who don't really matter so. See, and I've always was taught that the second match was your popcorn match. Yeah, that was the bathroom match. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody went to the bathroom during the second match. Actually, How most many of the second matches have you had in your life as uh, in the, on the on the card. That's too many matches to count. I, I've I've had my fair share. <laughs> and so, one last quick question before I go on to my last thing, because I I definitely want to end it on that. Uh, jobbing and winning. What was your percentage? Oh, good Lord. Uh, because of my size, I counted ceiling lights more often than I won. Uh, 
but when I won, I, I did, it usually was in a, in a manner, uh, a way that served the purpose or the story. But I, I would say I've lost more than I won. I, I would say, I don't know an exact average, but I'll, I'll say 60, 40. That's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, for us to end this segment, I want to bring you back to Colorado. We were in Aurora, Colorado at a sports bar, had our ring set up outside where fans came to watch us. It was thundering outside and lightning <laughs> and we were wrestling a tag team and I'm playing the blind gimmick. Well, which, you know, it really wasn't a gimmick, but I could see more than what people thought. And we're right there in the corner of the ring. Matt's beating up on me. Next thing I know, we, I, I see a flick of lightning in the corner of my eye. And we all stopped and turned and looked at lightning, even myself. Is that, is that what you I, remember? I, Cause I, 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 I remember like, that. I remember that vividly. <laughs> I remember that vividly. And what it was, it was a, you know what? That was a tag team. I forgot about God. I feel bad now. It was me and it was me and thunder versus you. And uh, no, it was you and rowdy. Was, it was you and rowdy oh, versus uh, me, me and rowdy. Yeah. It versus me and ringmaster Romeo. We were known as wicked wild at the time. Yes. You guys were wearing the makeup. Yeah. We were doing the insane clown posse gimmick. I remember that now because the, 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 my memory of it was, uh, at during the show, doink, the clown was running around with a spray bottle and he sprayed the hell out of your crotch. So it made it look like you yes, wet yourself. <laughs> and Romeo and I played that off the whole entire match. Like, Oh, get him off us. He, he peed himself, whatever. And what I remember that match when that lightning bolt hit, cause I remember the lightning bolt and I remember this all happened literally simultaneously. And I mean, you could double check with Rowdy cause I think he remembers it the same way I did is you were in a mat. Uh, you were in the ring with Romeo. And you had Romeo in a reverse headlock and he was, you know, down on the ground. You were, you were up over him holding it. He's screaming about, Oh my God, he wet That's himself. Right. Get him off me. And Rowdy and I are in the corners waiting for the tag and that lightning bolt hit out of nowhere. And literally at the exact same time, Mike and Romeo both stop doing what they're doing and just look up at the sky. At the same time, Rowdy and I look at each other and move away from the corner posts. <laughs> away from the corner, the metal corner post. I remember that now. I've, I've been in so many matches. It, I'm, that's pretty cool that you remember the whole uh, scenario on that. <laughs> I'll never forget that. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was one of those. That was one of those times that uh, that it, it broke gimmick. You know um, exactly. But, exactly. So all right. Uh, so we'll be right back in the ring with Lightning Blind Mike, and we'll find out what Matt Wilde is up to today and if he's still in the wrestling business. Oh, 
spilled again When the children cry Let them know we tried Cause when the children sing Then the new world begins Little child I'm in the bistro on blindcafe.net and I ordered hot wings. See, if you sign up to blindcafe.net, it will take you less than 15 minutes. And you could order some of these hot wings as well. Here are your wings, sir. Thanks, honey. They have something fun ah, for everyone on blindcafe.net. Ouch, these are really hot. Ouch, they really are. They're burning my kangaroo lips. (laughs) 
This is Dr. Johnny Lowe. If you're looking for some really good classic country music, come join me every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock for Dr. Johnny Lowe's Classic Country Tuesday on Blind Cafe Radio. My tears have stopped falling. Now, back to the music. Summer has come and passed The innocent can never last Wake me up when September ends Like my father's come to pass Seven years has gone so fast September ends Here comes the rain again Falling from the stars Drenched in my pain again Becoming who we are As my memory rests But never Forgets what I lost Wake me up When September ends
Welcome back to Blind Cafe Radio. We are on our very last segment, and and it's been a great time spending with you, Matt. But I do have a couple more questions to finish out this show. And let's start off as in, what are you doing now? And uh, what do you have planned for the future for yourself? Uh, now I've uh, I've been working on a solo music album that I've been releasing free on our website. The, the the website in the descriptions of our podcast because I'm a podcaster now since I retired from the ring I sit in front of a computer and talk crap on movies and wrestlers and music and everything else that tickles my fancy uh, I run a, uh, a, a a network company known as Realm of the Mist Entertainment uh, we have about 16 17 different podcasts uh, ranging from everything from like I said general entertainment to specific things like pro wrestling Star Wars and the like we even have an offshoot channel known as Sounds Dicey Gaming uh, which is all tabletop role playing and video game playthroughs uh, you know, you guys can go on YouTube, just look up Sounds Dicey Gaming or Realm of the Mist Entertainment to find all that. I've been doing that for the past four years. Uh, if you prefer audio formats, you can find uh, Realm of the Mist Entertainment under Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And uh, now that's ahead. about it. <laughs> and then, other than I that, I just, just being say, a father. Back to where you mentioned that you're releasing a uh, music album. Where can people go to listen to that? Uh, well, if you go to the uh, Realm of the Mist uh, YouTube channel, you can find the singles that are released uh, there, and uh, you can just click the link there to go to the website, and the and download is, is free. YouTube.com Realm of the Mist? Yeah, just, just uh, go to YouTube and type in Realm of the Mist. It'll find it. I'm the only one there. <laughs> very nice. All of you should check that out. Uh, Matt is very talented. He, like he said earlier, he's been a musician. And now that was that brings me to my next question, though, as in the wrestling business. So you are officially retired then. As of this point, yes. However, there has been some speculation going on about the uh, last holders of the American Wrestling Fundraiser tag team titles and the last holders that were the ones that mattered anyway, was Youth Gone Wild, myself, and Amadeus Thorne. And uh, it's being challenged by people who believe they were the real champions. And it's becoming uh, it's becoming to the point where I may have to come out of retirement for one more. Now, is that, is that being known as a work, or is this just a true... Uh, I would say I wouldn't say attitudes, but true believers, as in they were the first or the last tag teams for that position. Yeah, it's a little column A, little column B. Uh, they they really believe that uh, they were the, the the story is from what I understand is they were the champions before us uh, when we got the titles, and he moved to one of the one of the members moved to Las Vegas. And they felt they retired the belts at that point when in turn they vacated it and we took over ownership and made those belts mean something. <laughs> I'm going to call it as it is. Really do. It's, it's, it's the mentality of the wrestling business itself. When you earn a spot as holding a title, it really means something because that means you're the one that's carrying the Federation. It means you're the one that brings the fans in. And you're good enough to actually do that. 
Now, I've always said that I've got one more left in me, and it looks like that one more is going to be uh, one one more time for YGW. So it, it's in the works. I can definitely come back and let you know more about it when it happens, but it looks like I'm doing one more match. Well, if you're looking for a tag team partner, I'd be more than happy to be there for you. So all you have to do is just give a call, and and uh, Lightning Blind Mike and Matt Wilde can tag team one more time and, and uh, you know, throw it out there for those young youngsters i guess you can call them uh real quick before we end this podcast uh where are you living now are you still living in philadelphia what what are you doing now as in residence yeah i i, I live in uh northeast philadelphia i i live in the privileged neighborhood um, <laughs> it's not really that privileged anymore um <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah i've been here uh pretty much since i came back so all right so we i i've been very happy to actually have you on the air we haven't uh, we've talked about it and we finally got this done and i can't wait till everybody hears it but i do have one more thing left and uh i have a i usually end my show with the last two and a half minutes three minutes of a wrestling match and i have a match here matt of you and rob risden in a awa table match it's an awa rmcw table match and uh is there would you like to tell us about that a little bit before we let everyone listen to your show yeah i was sore as hell that night um, <laughs> i had just won that title in the heart in the infamous harvest of destruction match uh the month prior and uh that was me versus shama tango and that was i don't know if it it held held on to the title but it, it was uh it was known as the bloodiest match in rmcw history um yeah, you and Shamatango got really bloody in that Halloween match up in uh, Lyman, Colorado. Yeah, and I was still feeling it come come this title defense. It was my first title defense as as interregional champion, and uh, the crowd didn't know what to make of me. They thought the title changed me, so they, it, half was into me, half hated me. Half, uh, most were for Rising because it was his hometown any, anyway. Uh, but we wound up putting on a, a relatively decent show. For a table match, I tried to keep it as little hardcore as possible simply because I was too sore to do hardcore. Uh, so let me ask you real quick before we go to it, since you brought it up. Did the title actually change you or or what was your mentality after winning that title? Uh, well, my mentality after winning the title was that the title had been in the hands of bad guys who who used it as as... Uh, a means to to hide behind i guess you could say and i wanted to bring uh prestige back to the title i wanted it to mean something when it came into my hands so i i i came out earlier that night and i promised that i would be the fighting champion that i would take on all oncomers and and i will always defend my title i will never you know uh duck a match or back down from a challenge back down from a challenge or whatever and that was when ryzen challenged me to a rematch and and a tables match because he had faced me in a tables match prior and lost so it was more about like right. the 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 tables match than than the uh, title for him at that time and uh little known for your listeners uh i never lost a tables match uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had to throw that in there didn't you? I, I did have to throw All that right, in there so well, we want to thank you, Matt, for coming on to the show tonight. We really do appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate it tremendously. I, we haven't really got to talk too much uh, since the uh, Colorado days. 
And we're definitely going to have to talk more and bring you back onto the show again, because from what I understand, some of the people uh, would like to ask you questions next time. I told them that tonight would be a night of people get to know you as you. And now they want to ask you questions. So can we have you back again later down the line? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Get collect, collect up the, uh, the, the questions. Cause I'll, I'll treat it just like my, uh, my title reign all on commerce. I'll answer them all. <laughs> You'll answer them all. All right. Well, thank you again, Matt. And we're going to go straight into a match between Rob Risen and Matt Wild. And we hope you guys really enjoy it. And again, thank you so much for listening to In the Ring with Lightning Blind Mike. Have a great night, everyone. Oh, is on uh, Blind Cafe Radio. On the bottom of the door, veterans. Thanks for listening to Blind Cafe Radio. Hey guys, it's Chris from Realm of the Mist Entertainment. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts that can be found on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel or our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop needs. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio-only format, check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. To our Patreon supporters, we thank you very, very much. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode.